How you doing today? Everybody good? Did you survive Memorial Day weekend? You know, it, I have observations from time to time. Anybody ever just make observations? You know, I, during church, I'm, you know, first part of service, I'm kind of lost in worship. But I, I observe things. I've noticed when, when you talk about bridge youth, there's a bunch of teenagers, yeah! And you talk about donuts, and there's a bunch of, yeah! But we said something about young adults tonight, and I heard two or three young adults go, yeah! And I thought, where are the parents? Parents of young adults, listen to me. When we talk about young adults, you need to be saying, yeah, because one of our goals is to help you get them out of your house, okay? So keep that in mind. You ought to get on our side because we're doing our best to get them out of there. Uh, just kidding. Hey, we're, we're in a series about balance, and really it's just a short series, and we're going to be covering three main topics. Last week, Zach talked about prosperity and the biblical perspective and balance of that. Today, I'm, I'm going to talk about the gifts of the Holy Spirit. In order to do that, really, uh, you know, years ago, I did a teaching on the Holy Spirit. I spent 10 or 12 Sunday mornings teaching on the Holy Spirit. There's a lot. Uh, I'm going to condense things, so I'm going to ask you, listen real closely, because for me to talk about the gifts of the Spirit today, first for a few minutes, I have to set this up from a biblical perspective because balance is found in Scripture, not in the ideas of people. Balance is found in Scripture. That's why God gave it to us. So let me begin this morning talking about the Holy Spirit and the gifts of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the Spirit of God. It's the Spirit of God. The Holy Spirit is not a thing. It's not an it. The Holy Spirit, he is God. Scripture calls him God. Most of Christianity grabs and holds on to, believes the concept of what we call a triune God or a trinity. There's Father, Son, Holy Spirit. These three are one. Now, I'm not going to spend time talking about that today, but I want, us, I want us to notice some things about the Holy Spirit. Jesus, before he left this earth, promised his disciples that when he left, he would not leave them without comfort and without help, but he would send what he called the Holy Spirit, the promise of the Father. Jesus said, it is to your benefit that I go away and the Holy Spirit comes to you because he will dwell with every one of you. You see, Jesus on earth was limited to how many places he could be at one time because he was in a human body. The Spirit of God is not limited. So Jesus said, it's to your advantage that I go away because I will be everywhere at once by the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit. Jesus said, it's to your advantage that I go away. He also said that we should welcome, everybody say welcome, we should welcome the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Now, when I teach on the Holy Spirit, I, I teach it in three different areas. Number one, the Holy Spirit comes to work for us. I'm not going to get into all that today. Number two, I teach that the Holy Spirit comes to work in us. I'm not going to get into that today. But I'm going to spend a little bit of time with the third part of this. The Holy Spirit comes to work through us. The Holy Spirit that lives in believers, that dwells in us, the Spirit of Jesus has come not only to work for us and in us, but also to work through us. 
Me and you and you and you and you and you. Every believer, he's come to work through us. So that's going to be our focus today. So I'm going to break this teaching the next few minutes into four pieces. The last piece, we'll really be talking about balance because I've got to lay a foundation. Number one, let's talk about the ministry of Jesus. The ministry of Jesus, as you read through the Gospels, trying to find a word to describe his ministry, let's just begin by saying his ministry was intriguing. You read the stories of the things he said and the things that he did. It was intriguing to follow the ministry of Jesus. But the ministry of Jesus was basically about three years. Okay? There are 30 years of his life. Very little is said about that. But it's focused on the three years of his ministry. So what was so intriguing about the ministry of Jesus? I mean, there were a lot of guys who came along claiming this, claiming that, claiming to be God, claiming a new religion, new insight, new realities, all this stuff. It's always been a part of our world. What was so intriguing about the ministry of Jesus? Well, the answer is his ministry was miraculous. Everywhere you look, miracle after miracle after miracle. You could see the hand of God and the voice of God working in the ministry of Jesus. Miraculous, amazing, supernatural, beyond anything people had seen before. And it just kept happening over and over and over again. Now, just to walk through the sequential order real quickly. Jesus was baptized by John in the Jordan River. When he came up out of the water, John said the Holy Spirit came upon him. I saw it. Jesus immediately went into the wilderness and was tested by the enemy for 40 days. Then he came back out of the wilderness, still in the power of the Spirit, is what the Word says. And then he entered into his own hometown. He picked up the book of the law, and he began to read, and he said, here's my ministry. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because, and I'm going to paraphrase it, he has anointed me to pick up the pieces of broken lives and put them back together again. That's the ministry of Jesus. And then it began. First, miracles. He turned water to wine. He calmed a raging storm. He fed 5,000 people with one boy's lunch. The dead were raised back to life. Everywhere you looked, it was miracles from the hand of God. That was the ministry of Jesus. But then there were also healings. Lepers were cleansed. Blind eyes were opened. Deaf ears were opened. Crippled limbs were restored. Healings from the heart of God. But then there were some also uh, uh, some amazing teachings. Amazing words of Jesus. Timely words. Words of knowledge to open people's hearts. Words of wisdom for every situation. Even words of prophecy for comfort and for direction. Words spoken from the mouth of God. That was the ministry of Jesus. But then in the second part of this message, I want you to notice what Jesus said about his followers continuing his ministry. Now, some of you know this stuff. Some of you don't. If you haven't heard it, it's all in the Bible. I'm going to read the scriptures. You can follow along. I'm going to move fast. Mark chapter 16 Verses 15 and then 17 through 18. 
Jesus said to them, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Verse 17. These signs will follow those who believe. In my name they will cast out demons. They will speak with new tongues. They will take up serpents. And if they drink any deadly thing, it will by no means hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. You see, in the Great Commission, Jesus said, the ministry that I have done, you will continue to do. He said, you will do this, and I will do this. You will do this, and I will do this. He said, we will be partners in ministry, and as you stretch out your hand, I will stretch out my hand. As you speak, I will speak through you. Jesus said, what I have been doing, you, my followers, my church, will continue to do. John 14, 12, Jesus said this, Most assuredly I say to you, he who believes in me. How many believe in Jesus today? It's not a trick question. Okay, front row to top row. How many of you believe in Jesus? Okay, all right. Jesus said, most assuredly I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also. What he said was, you can have a part of this. He goes on to say, and greater works than these he will do because I go to my Father. Jesus was saying, when I am gone and the Holy Spirit comes, he will bring you what you need to continue the ministry that I have started. And it won't be one person doing ministry. It will be every believer with an opportunity to be involved in the ministry. That's what Jesus taught. Let's go one step further. Acts 1.8. Jesus said, but you shall receive power. People say, well, I couldn't do that. You could if you had the power to do that. Well, I don't have the power. You should. Come on, smile at me. This is first service. You all are the strong believers. Second service, they're the ones who are questioning, okay? Jesus said, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, in all Judea, in Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the earth. So Jesus said, we the church would be empowered to do ministry as Jesus did ministry. See, one of the reasons we have imbalance in the church world today when it comes to the work of the Holy Spirit is a lot of the church world doesn't believe that we're here to do ministry the way Jesus did. But Jesus said you can, you will, you shall. We need to embrace that today. Now, the third part of this message, how many are glad I'm moving really fast today? Four parts, we're already on part three. Oh, by the way, I, I mentioned it earlier. It took me 10 or 12 weeks to teach the Holy Spirit a few years ago, so I'll only be here about an hour and a half today. So, so relax. Third part, for the church, the Apostle Paul talked about us doing ministry as Jesus did ministry. Because see, what happens is for the disciples, that first generation, those who walked with Jesus, to do what Jesus did, they'd seen it firsthand. They experienced that day of Pentecost thing. And as a result of that, they knew they were empowered to move forward. Here we are 2,000 years later, and people say, well, I'm just not sure about me. Let me ask you this. Are you sure about God? Are you sure about his word? Then why don't we buy into what he said and lay everything else aside and just trust him? Here's what Paul said, and I'm going to read to you from 1 Corinthians chapter 12. I don't have the time today to spend tons of, of, of minutes with this, but I'm going to move fast just the few, first few verses. 
1 Corinthians 12, verse 1. Here's what Paul said to the church about ministry. He said, first of all, concerning spiritual gifts. Literally in the original writings, he said, concerning spirituals or things of the Spirit, things produced by the Spirit. How many of you know that what the Spirit of God does is sometimes mysterious to us? Paul said it's supposed to be mysterious. It's the things of the Spirit. Concerning the things of the Spirit, the things the Spirit does, brethren, I do not want you to be ignorant. I don't want you to be ignorant. Now, if you study that word ignorant in the original writings, it really gives us two thoughts. First, it says, I don't want you to be uninformed. I don't want you to not know about the working of the Holy Spirit and the things that he will do through you. I don't want you to be uninformed. I don't want you to not know. In other words, I don't want you to be dumb about this. I want you to know about it. But the other inference that you get in this word as you look at it is, he also says, I don't want you to ignore those things that I do teach you about the Holy Spirit. One of the reasons we have imbalance in the church is a lot of people don't know and a lot of people ignore what Paul says, what Jesus says, what God in his word says about the work of the Holy Spirit. There's a lot of ignorance. We don't know or we just put it aside because we don't want to deal with it. Paul said, I don't want you to be ignorant. Everybody smile at me and say, I'm not ignorant. Okay, there you go. But he goes on to say this in verse 4. There are diversities of gifts, but the same spirit. In other words, there are different kinds of gifts. There are different kinds of manifestations of the Holy Spirit, but they're all done by the Spirit of God. Verse 5, there are differences of ministries, but the same Lord. He says each of these gifts accomplishes different themes. They're not all just alike. They are different. They are various. Verse number 6, he says, and there are diversities of activities, but is the same God who works all in all. He says, each gift works in different ways. See, the problem with the church world is we put God in one box and say, God can do this. God, come down today and do this. And God says, well, I had some more things in mind. No, we don't need that. We'll just take this one thing and move on. See, God wants to do a lot of things, work in a lot of ways to accomplish a lot of different things. But then he says this in verse 7. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one each one for the benefit or the profit of everyone, all of us. You see, the Holy Spirit wants to work through each of our lives to help bring healing and hope to people in need. He wants to work through all of us. Jesus said, I'm one person here ministering. When I go away, the Holy Spirit will come to all of you and you will be enabled to carry ministry to your world. Now, it's quiet in here this morning because people are really thinking. It's like, "Uh uh-oh, you put me on the spot. I was with you till we got here. Get back in the boat with me. We're going to move forward. I want to share some things. So how will the Holy Spirit work through our lives? Well, there are a lot of ways, as we mentioned, several gifts that Paul gets into. I'm not going to take time to read through all of it because I'll, I'll get stuck and get into too many things. But here's what I want you to notice about how the Holy Spirit works 
Paul mentions nine ways, nine gifts, nine things that the Holy Spirit can do through our lives. For teaching's sake, for simplicity, I'm going to break it into three groups. Three of those gifts are gifts of knowing something that we wouldn't naturally know. Suddenly, God just gives us information in a situation that we need to share. One of the gifts brings us wisdom of what to do in this situation, what to share with someone about what they should do with their situation. It's a word of wisdom. He also talked about the discerning of spirits, about knowing when there is the Holy Spirit at work or a demonic spirit at work or just a human spirit that's pulling on you for something. You are able to discern what kind of spirit is at work in a situation. Then he goes on and he talks about gifts of power. He talks about miraculous faith. I've seen people with gifts of faith. Something comes along and something rises in them and they just say, you know what? I just know God's going to do something about this situation. And they grab a hold of it and they will not let go. They won't turn loose of it no matter what's going on around them. They just say, I know that I know that I know. And over time, God steps in and does something miraculous. Why? Because the Holy Spirit gave them a gift of faith that God was about to do something miraculous. I've seen it. I've seen it. He talks about healings, and I'll talk more about this in a, in a couple of minutes. He talks about healings, how God wants to bring healing to broken people's hearts and lives. Not just emotional, but physical healings, because Jesus did that. He also talks about just out-and-out miracles. People say, well, I haven't seen anybody calm a storm in a long time. Well, have you heard about People multiplying food, and I hadn't heard of that. You know, regularly, we hear stories of soup kitchens where believers are in there serving people in need, and they start running out of food, and they just start praying and pouring water in the pots, and they just keep dipping and dipping and dipping, and the soup just keeps coming until everybody's been fed. We hear those stories from time to time. God still works miracles. You see, we, we put ourselves in the, well, I know he could, but he's probably not. See, that's the problem. If he can, why wouldn't he? See, that's the question. And then there are gifts that need to be spoken. And and this is where people really get lost, so they just slam the door and say, forget all of it, I don't want to get into it. He talked about prophecy. Speaking into people's lives for their future. Speaking to a nation about its future. Speaking to the church as a whole about its future. We saw it in the Old Testament, we saw it in Jesus' days, we saw it in the early church. But he also talks about tongues and interpretation of tongues. And depending on where you've come from, what you've been taught, a lot of people say, well, I don't understand that one, so I'm definitely not going to get anywhere near that. Okay, so what do we do? We say, God, I'd just as soon not know about that. I would rather ignore that possibility. Now, keep smiling at me, okay? Because we've just about waded through the deep water. Paul goes on to say, in any given situation... God determines the gift that needs to be given, and then he determines the person to deliver the gift. See, one of the mistakes in a lot of the church world where they believe in the gifts is people say, well, I got this gift. I got this gift. We're not supposed to hold a gift. We're supposed to give the gift away. Let me, let me, let me illustrate it, okay? 
bless God, I got this gift, I got this gift. Why don't you give it away to somebody and help them? The best illustration I have of this, and I've thought about it a long time. How many of you ever order pizza at home and have them deliver pizza to your house? Or I guess today it's Grubhub for those of you who are healthier than that. All these services, you could call up and they'll deliver the... If you order a, p a pizza online from some company, within 30 minutes, they'll deliver the pizza to your door. And here comes this pizza guy. I've got this gift. Hallelujah. So I'm just going to sit here and eat it. That's the way some Christians are. Well, God's given me this gift, so I'm just going to sit here and enjoy it. God didn't give you a gift to enjoy. He gave you a gift to give to somebody that needs it. See, what God is doing, the Holy Spirit is looking for people who will deliver the pizza to people who have ordered the pizza and need the pizza. Well, that's just not very spiritual. No, that's very spiritual. You're just not very spiritual. <laughs> oh, I, I know. People say, oh, put the young guy back up there. We don't want to hear from you. Okay? I'm teaching the young guy. It's just I'm old enough now that I can say things a little more harshly. I'm, I'm in midlife. He's still young. I'm in midlife. So I, I can do this. Check my time. I'm still, I'm still in good shape. So God determines the gift and says, so-and-so needs it. So he puts it in your hand and says, would you deliver this to that person in need? And yet we get stuck in the middle. I don't know. I just don't know. If I... You can't deliver a pizza? You can't give away what God gives you to give to somebody else. What are we going to do with it? Now, let me, let me illustrate some things to you. I mentioned the young guy. Several years ago, when Zach first came on staff, where is he? Here, I'm saying all these nice things about him, and he's not even in here. I, I, wish, I wish I had spanked him more when he was young when I could I can't do it anymore but I wish I had then I that's my one regret in life I should have beat those boys more I just should have you know, Solomon said you beat him with the rod they won't die it's okay you know I know for those of you who are politically correct I shouldn't have said that but forgive me I'm just joking okay when, several years ago Zach first came on staff with us and one morning it was really busy I had a lot of stuff going Zach walked into my office first thing in the morning. He said, hey, we, we got a call from some people at a hospital here. There's a young man. He's got a wife and kids. He's been going through a lot of stuff, and he just shot himself in the head. He's in the hospital, and they don't know if he's going to live or die. We don't know the family. They don't know us. They just started calling churches looking for somebody to come to the hospital and help them. I said, Zach, I've got two or three appointments I can't get out of these this morning. I need you to go to the hospital. Now, you got to remember, this is probably, now nine years ago, eight and a half, nine years ago. He was new to our staff. He was still fairly young. He had never dealt with a situation like that. And I said, you got to go. And he looked at me and said, well, okay, what do I say? I said, you just ask God to show you what to say. That's all I can tell you. So, Zach, Zach gets to the hospital and you have a family, husband and wife. The husband's in the hospital bed in intensive care. They're trying to save his life. The wife is in there with him. 
They've been having marital problems. Things have been really bad. The kids are caught in the middle of it. One family's screaming this. The other family's screaming this. One family's blaming him. One family's blaming her. It's going back. I mean, the whole waiting room is a mess. And Zach, this new pastor on staff, never dealt with anything like this, walks in, introduces himself, and said, my name's Zach Martin. I'm from the Bridge Church. Someone called looking for help. Of course, some of the people, we're glad you're here. And some were, oh, I don't know what you're doing here. I mean, it was just, a, just a, a mess. It was a mess. And they told him the story of what was going on and said, the wife's back there with him. We're in and out of the room trying to tell her what to do and how to handle this. And she's a mess right now. So Zach waited a few minutes. And finally, they called her back and said, she wants to see you now. So Zach walks back there. And here's this woman, young woman. She's broken, she's hurting, she's angry, she's confused. Her whole world is tumbling down. She doesn't know what she's going to do, what she's going to do with her kids. One family's screaming this, one family's... Everybody, it's just a mess. And Zach walks in and he said, Dad, I didn't know what to say. And he said, I just looked at her. Before I spoke, I said, Holy Spirit, just give me something to say. He said, I looked at her and said, Ma'am, first of all, I can't imagine what you're feeling today and what you're dealing with inside. And she was so harsh and angry. And all of a sudden, when he, when, she, when he spoke, she began to break and cry and weep. And she said, thank you. I've had so many people the last six hours running in here telling me what to do, how to do it, how to think, how to feel. You're the first person who said to me anything compassionate. She began to open her heart, and before Zach left, he was able to pray with her. And God touched her heart. God softened her. God did, began to do something new in her life and in the middle of that tragedy. Simply because somebody said, God, give me the words. Give me the words. She didn't want to hear his opinion. She didn't want to hear a sermon. She just wanted to know somebody cares, and I'm compassionate. I'm just here to help any way I can. That needs to be our heart when it comes to the Holy Spirit working through us. I'm just here to help. I'm just here to deliver what you need and what God has for you. Another illustration. One of the things we do here at the Bridge Church is Sunday mornings after each service, we have prayer teams at the front of the building. They are people who are chosen, who are handpicked, because we know they're people of faith. They are mature, stable people. Almost every week we hear stories of how God answers prayer that these people are praying with other people. Sometimes it's healing. Sometimes it's provision for a home and a family. Sometimes it's a new job. It's, it's a variety of things week after week after week. But when these people pray, these prayer teams, I've given them two priorities. Number one, hear someone's need and pray a prayer of faith. Number two, let the Holy Spirit work. And it's amazing the stories that have come from these teams of how God has dropped something in their hearts to share that met a need and gave people not only encouragement but begin to give them hope and faith and they move forward and God answered amazing situations in their lives because somebody was willing to be here and deliver what God needed to get to somebody. It's our calling as a church. Regularly, conversations with people, Ann and I see it all the time, when we're meeting with people and trying to figure out, God, what do we say to these people? It's amazing how God will drop words in your heart if you just stop and take time to listen to somebody and then say, God, tell me what to say. 
It's amazing what happens when you just take the time to stop. Put your hand on someone's shoulder and pray a sincere prayer for them. It's amazing what will happen. It's amazing what God will do. You don't have to manufacture God. You just have to give him an opportunity to be God. And he will be God if you'll give him that opportunity. That's what he's asking of us. And depending on your background, you know, the Holy Spirit works through us naturally, supernaturally. If you'll just be in that, some people are going to, Got to do weird things. Let them know God's here. All, all that does is make people want to walk away. I'm not being smart. See, one of the mistakes we've made in church is, well, if we believe in the gifts, it's all going to happen right here on this platform. You know where it needs to go? It needs to go to your neighbor's house and the people at work. It needs to go to your world, to people who are in need. And, I mean, you know, some guys want to carry around a, a, a DVD or an iPod or something playing organ music. Oh, i got to have organ music. We're going to minister to people. God doesn't need that. Get the religious stuff out of it. Just be natural, and God will be supernatural. Now, the last part of this message, number four, I want to talk about balancing the imbalance. Balancing giving the Holy Spirit an opportunity to work through our lives. I hope if nobody else takes anything out of here today, you walk out of here saying, God, work through my life. However you want, use me. Use me. That needs to be our prayer every day of our lives. So let me finish. To a great extent, the church world struggles to find balance with the gifts of the Spirit. We tend to ignore them or we try to manufacture them. Two extremes. We deny they exist or we worship them. See, I've been around people in churches, they worship the gifts more than they worship God. I've also been in churches where they deny that the Holy Spirit even does anything today. Extremes. We devalue the gifts of the Spirit or we use them to create a stage show on Sundays. Jesus never went around like a traveling circus. He went around looking for hurting people that he could minister to. We either fear the gifts of the Spirit, or some people use them to bring honor to themselves. All that the Spirit of God does through us is for God's glory, not ours. It's not to prove that you're great, you're wonderful, you're super spiritual. Some of the most immature Christians I've ever known have been greatly used in the gifts of the Spirit because they just have an open heart to God. Regardless of our approach, these gifts of the Holy Spirit have one purpose, to bring God's help and healing to people. Confused, struggling, sick, hurting people. These gifts of the Spirit aren't there to put God's stamp of approval on you. It's to put God's stamp of approval on His Word and what He said He would do. What we believe about the Holy Spirit is going to tell people, there's no hope for you or God cares and He wants to help. God never intended for His Holy Spirit to be rejected by His church. 
God never intended for the work of the Holy Spirit to be weird. Unusual? Yes. Extraordinary? Yes. Supernatural? Yes. Yes. But naturally, supernatural. Because what we consider to be supernatural is perfectly natural for God. See, God does something. We say, ooh, that's supernatural. God says, that's, that's just me being me. Let God be God. It's the work of God's spirit. The same spirit that lives, abides, that dwells in us. So where's the balance in regard to the working of the Holy Spirit? Where's the balance in the church? Where's the balance for believers? Where's the balance between dead and weird? Anybody ever known anybody who was weird, Christian who was weird? Yeah, one, okay, there's one. Two. You, you have, it's obvious most of you haven't been pastors, okay? You know this. Balance is found in the scriptures. Balance is found in God's word. The scriptures were not given to end the work of the Holy Spirit, but rather to bring us understanding of how the Holy Spirit can work through us. Question is, am I willing to allow the Holy Spirit to work through me? Can I have a change of heart and a change of mind that says, God, just use me to speak into people's lives. I want to pray for people. I want to see you work. Do you have that heart? It's interesting. 1 Corinthians 12, and I'm almost finished, so stay with me. 1 Corinthians 12, Paul talked a little bit about gifts of the Spirit. 1 Corinthians 13, and remember, we put the divisions in that book, in that, in that letter. In chapter 13, Paul talked about love. Everything that we do in the name of God, everything that we do under this, the, 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 the guise of the power of the Holy Spirit, it needs to be done from love. But then in chapter 14, he starts out saying this, pursue love and desire spiritual gifts. Pursue love and desire that the Holy Spirit would lovingly work through your life to touch other people. See, a lot of times we throw the baby out with the bathwater. Well, I don't really understand. It seems a little odd to me. I don't really, so I'm just, I'm going to ignore it. God says, don't ignore it. Desire spiritual gifts. You see, the Holy Spirit does not put pressure on us to perform, but he invites us to join him in ministering to hurting people. I know what many people are thinking right now. Me? How, how, how can I really practically do that? Let me give you three things in closing. Number one, don't be afraid to encourage people and tell them what God says about their situation. Let me tell you something. God's word is powerful. God's word is alive. If you will open your mouth and begin to encourage people, God will put the thoughts in your heart and you'll know exactly what to say. But if you're not willing to open your mouth, it'll never come out. Faith begins to speak the word of God, and then God fills in what needs to be spoken. Second thing, don't be afraid to pray for someone who's in need. Zach got into this a few weeks ago, talking about, well, I'll, I'll, be, I'll be praying for you. I'll be praying for you. I'll be praying for you. No, I'm going to pray for you right now, and then I'll continue to pray for you. Stop for a moment and just pray a heartfelt prayer. It's amazing how many times people have walked up to me and said, would you pray with me about this, da, da, da. And I start praying, and all of a sudden the Holy Spirit just helps me understand how to pray. And I just pray what the Holy Spirit gives me. And people look at me and say, boy, I can't believe you prayed that and knew all that stuff. What me is the Holy Spirit. You start praying, 
God will get involved. And the last thing, don't be afraid to give God an opportunity to be God. Don't be afraid to give God an opportunity to prove himself and be God. You see, if I do something weird, that's on me. But if I give God the opportunity to minister to someone, he will step in and meet them right where they are. He'll use us. It's not about me. It's about him, his words, his power. I want to pray for you today. Because here's what I believe. I believe there are a lot of us that the Holy Spirit lives in us. The Spirit's there. We've experienced the new birth. He dwells in us. But things have kind of stopped there. We know he works for us and we know he works in us, but we've never really come to the place where we say, God, sincerely work through me. We've not come to the place where we've asked the spirit of God that lives in us to come upon us and empower us to minister to people beyond our natural abilities. I'm going to lead you in a prayer. I'm going to ask you to pray that prayer today. I'm not asking you to be anybody else. I'm asking you to be you and let God work the way he wants to work through you. So by your heads, let me pray this morning. Father, I pray for your people. And I pray that your spirit would come upon us. Just as Jesus promised in Acts 1.8, you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Father, empower us to do the work of the ministry. God, take away misconceptions. Take away weird ideas. Take away the stuff that's caused us to run from the work of the Spirit. Take away the things from our hearts and our minds that have caused us to close off and say, not me. But instead, open up our hearts and come upon us and empower us to be delivery boys, delivery girls, to take the gifts that you drop in our lives to people who need them. God, teach us one day at a time to be used of you and let the Holy Spirit work through us. In Jesus' name. Heads are still bowed for one more moment. This is a different kind of message today, but maybe you're here, and maybe as you've sat here today, you've realized, man, Jesus did amazing things. I need God to do some amazing things in my life. Friend, he'll start today if you'll open your life and let him in. He'll begin to work today if you just, with me, join me in a prayer and say, God, I want you and I need you. Here's my life. I, I, I give you the opportunity to work do whatever you need to do. I put my faith in Jesus. You see, my sin separated me from God, but what Jesus did on the cross brings us back into relationship with God. It covers our sin. So I'm going to pray one more prayer, and I'm going to ask you to wrap your heart around this prayer. Let God work in your heart. Father, in Jesus' name, I come to you today. I need you. I need forgiveness. I've sinned. Forgive me of my sins. Remove the things that keep me from you. I ask you to come into my heart, come into my life. I want to experience a brand new start. I want to experience a new birth. I want to start life over with a fresh slate. I want to see you change everything one day at a time and begin to give me that brand new life you promised. So I give my life to you. I accept Jesus as my Savior. I claim Jesus to become the Lord of my lives. I will, I will follow you. I will learn your ways. Come work in my life because I give it to you. From this day forward, you're my God, my Father, and I'm your child. Thank you for receiving me. Amen.
Now, before I'm finished today, if you prayed that prayer and you've never prayed it before, whether you're online or whether you're in the building, I've got a little tool I want to give you that'll help you start walking with God. It'll help you start your journey. It's a little booklet called The Next Seven Days. Just gives you a little bit of understanding of how much God loves you and what he wants to do in your life. We want to give it to you. So when service is over, you can walk up to one of these prayer teams. Just say, can I get the booklet? They'll give it to you. No strings attached. If you're in a big rush out in the middle of the lobby, right in the middle of the glass doors, there's a counter set up there. You can stop there and get the very same booklet. Just ask for it there the next seven days. We'd love to help you get started walking with God. Can we put our hands together and welcome new believers into God's family? <coughs> Now, I have, in closing today, I have some great news to share. And 37 people aren't going to hear it because I already took out the door. It's great news. Six weeks ago, I invited us as a church to take the world to heart. You know, we do things out of our regular church budget to support missionaries all over the world. Almost every continent. But God put it in my heart that we needed to do more. And I, I told you six weeks ago, I'd like to see us raise $100,000 to put into ministry this year beyond what we already do. And I challenge you to give. And I believe we could give $100,000. Can I tell you today, we did it. We did it. You did it. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. And you know, I, I was, I was believing for $100,000. We even hit $155,000. Can you say praise the Lord? Now, in the weeks to come, we're going to be sharing with you what we're doing to put that money to work touching people's lives around the world. I just want to say thank you. Thank you for your faithful giving week by week by week. Hey, we are making a difference in our world, and we're going to make a bigger impact in the future. God bless you. I love you. Have a great week. We'll see you next Sunday.